0: Everybody to the coffee and cream podcast
1: are a doctor, the coffee, the boat, and the brew. How y'all doing? Hey, y'all, we
0: are back and we have a special guest with us Yay. today. Um, this particular episode has—it's been a long overdue kind of just because we've been looking for um, a doctor OB to be on the episode, and then being in Cleveland, Ohio, we couldn't find that many. Um, so thanks to social media, and now unfortunately thanks to the pandemic it was easy kind of to do it on zoom and i'm so happy we have dr arumala here yes. with us
1: thank you for you hey, guys
0: this. so if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself tell them about you um of course that's your ob but you can go ahead and talk about yourself they will want to know who you are
2: all right. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I am elated to be here. Um, my name is Ruth Arumala. I am an obstetrician gynecologist in Mansfield, Texas, right outside of Dallas, Texas. I am also a podcaster. I am the hostess of the Pretty in Pink podcast, a Modern Woman's Guide to Health, and so much more. So we talk about everything from finances to spirituality to just being kind just being kind, being human. So um, I'm so excited to share on someone else's platform because I'm usually on you guys' side. Mm -hmm. Um, I specialize in fibroid management. I give a whole suite of women's health services. I do run a solo practice in Mansfield, Texas. And so my um, practice is designed to create a boutique-like individualized care for women, um, because when I was training, I just didn't see that. I didn't see women being given evidence-based medicine in a way that is customized to them how they want it without it being cash pay. So I take everything from Medicaid to Medicare to almost like 17 different insurances, because I wanted to give women this idea that they are special. And every single woman is special. I am from a plant family. My mom is a plant mom, meaning I'm a plant mom. And so when you look at things, my favorite plant to um, take care of is the orchid. And the reason why I love orchids is because they are so intricate. If you look all the way from where they are pollinated down to their roots, their roots actually grow out of the pot. Um, they are so different, each one, and that's how women are, very, very different. We're all flowers, we're all women, but we're all different. And so that's kind of how I treat my patients. Um, and so, yeah, I guess as we get to talk, you guys get to know a little bit more about me, but that's kind of the basics. Oh, great.
0: Um, orcas are my favorite uh, plant as well my favorite flower as well. my mom used to buy uh, orchids all the time and I just always like the different colors of them I guess you can say they're just very beautiful
1: and that's so funny because I went to HBCU I went to Alabama State University and they have a um a community service organization that I joined and it was called the new orchids so that's oh, really dope so I love that. orchids they're
2: amazing <laughs> Well, we have a little bit in common. I have a lot of family in both Dayton and Columbus, so not necessarily in Cleveland. I have some friends in Cleveland because they are all either trained or went to work at Cleveland Clinic. And then um, my dad is actually uh, going into his, or he just started his thirty-ninth year as an engineering professor at HBCU, at University of Maryland Eastern Shore. So. Um, we have a lot in common. I, I,
0: well, look, we picked over the breakdown. Awesome. Definitely. Okay. Um,
1: you.
2: Oh, I
0: would not cut you off. No. It I was fun. just going to
1: say. Um. So, can you say like what made you get into the medical field? What made you be? What made you want to be? The, um. I. T- you. You taught us a little bit why you got into that specific field, but what made you overall know you wanted to be a doctor?
2: So, um, I was kind of blessed academically. Um, I would always be first in my class. And so people always thought you're going to do something very professional. Nobody ever really pinned me as the creative type or the, I was gifted athletically, but no one really felt, and I'm like Nigerian. So everybody was like, you're going to do something (laughs) like this. Right. And my mom is a doctor. So I actually hated it. I hated it. I wanted to be, like, anything but a doctor. I didn't want to be the cliche. I didn't want to be a nurse. I just wanted to do something that was, like, not, um, like, so regimented and A-type. Um, and so I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I have a older cousin who is the fashion designer. I thought I was going to be a sex therapist. And my mom was like, What? <laughs> 19. And do you know anything about sex? Girl, please. Um, I thought that I was going to be a um, computer scientist. I thought I was going to do business. So anything but. And when I was in college, I enrolled pre-med. I went and I was just doing so well. And I try to do a macroeconomics or microeconomics—I don't know—but girl, I had to drop that class halfway. I think I was getting a C or something, and I was like, "Cs in my family are like taboo." So I was like, oh, "Well, well, that didn't work out." So everything that I tried didn't really work out. But it's kind of crazy on the flip end how I practice. You know, I do my own marketing, so I've learned marketing, and I get to have my creative juices that way. At some point, I had my own fashion line. So I did do that when I was in medical school. So I've kind of like explored everything with having this as a background. So that's kind of, it was very, very like, I was pushed that way. But when I realized, the day that I realized I was going to go into medicine, I actually pushed past it. I went to a master's in public health. And I was sitting in my public health class and this class was about chronic diseases. So I was like, um, how can I be talking about managing chronic disease in a population? And I don't know what diabetes is. I don't know what hypertension is. I don't know what cervical cancer is. But I'm supposed to know how to manage this in a like population. So my personality is someone who always wants to be like the voice, the the authority and something. I don't know where I get it from my mama, but, um, so I wanted to, so that's kind of how I, I I made that decision. I was like, I'm going to know everything. That's how I, that night I applied to medical school that night. So that was like how I got into medicine. Once I got into medicine, I said, you know what? I like to wear, Fake lashes, and I like my skin to look beautiful. So, I'm going to do dermatology to the stars. That is what I am going to do. So, they will be teaching all these other things. I didn't care. I was thinking about new salicylic acid research. What's the new PRP? Like, what? I, that's what I'm going to do. And so, I dressed the part. I used to always, I never went anywhere without having my face did. My body was snatched. I was like, and this is in medical school and everybody was looking like a bum. And I never, never, you won't catch me, your girl slipping. So I literally, one day, one of my attendings called me over and was like, do you really want to do this dermatology thing? I said, yes. Well, if you're not in medicine, you won't realize that dermatology is actually pound for pound the hardest specialty to get into because the number of spots are just so little for the amount of people who apply. So you have to be like top, top in your class. So he said he was going to train me. And even through the process, I found out that I needed to take a whole year to do dermatology research. So I took a year off to do dermatology research, but um, I already had it planned. But unfortunately, six months before I left, my brother passed away. And my brother was my like favorite human being on the face of the planet. He was my best friend. He was my everything. He was my world. I didn't care about my parents. I didn't care about my younger brother. I cared about this one brother. And so at that point, my brother was kind of weird in that he had sickle cell and he was in law school and he always talked about his legacy. He died at the age of 24. So at the age of 24, I'm forced to now think about my legacy and so I start thinking about my legacy and I'm over in Botswana there's no distractions Botswana is in southern Africa I don't know a soul in the whole country and so I have all this time to think about what I wanted to do with my life and I did not like dermatology I liked injecting people's faces with Botox but I did not like the actual science of dermatology I remember sitting at one point in a Um, dermatology lab. And these people were talking about the pathology. They had this huge screen up. It was at Hopkins and everybody was so excited. They were salivating about this histocytes and the palisading histocytes of the dermal, interdermal. I'm looking at them like, these people are crazy. (laughs) Like, get me out of here now. And that was the day I was like, no, I got to find something that makes sense. That's going to be something that can actually change people's lives. I don't have, I don't know if you guys know, but the major thing that dermatologists do is actually total body exams. They examine people's bodies for precancerous cells. So you telling me that I'm going to wear my Chanel suit and I'm going to be looking through the crack of some old white guy's butt to find dermat like lesions, not for me. So those are the things that kind of like, you know, starting to realize that things aren't as rosy as they seem and this is what you want to do. And so uh, I made my decision that I was going to go back and figure out stuff. Some of the things that I knew is that I could use my hands a lot. I can recreate anything. I used to be that girl who used to know how to do all the crazy core roles. I used to know how to twist the dreadlocks. I'm 34, so that I'm dating myself. Um, so I learned all these different things, and I could translate that to surgery. But I did not want to be swimming in someone's bowels all the time. So how do I figure out how to blend surgery, cosmetics, women, and OBGYN popped up? and that's kind of how I did it so it was a very selfish thing because it came from a place of selfishness but as I got into the profession i realized how much i was needed mm-hmm. so you know a lot of us act as if like at 24 we have this grandiose idea of how we were going to change the world. Some people do, but most people come from a very selfish place. They want to set themselves up to make a lot of money. They want to set themselves up to have prestige. I wanted all those things too. But as things happen, I realized that this ain't about me. Mm -hmm. This is about my mission on this earth. How am I going to impact black culture? How am I going to impact black women? And that's how I chose my field. Mm Long sh- version, but that's how <laughs> that's oh, that was the best version, right? That's the best version, the detailed is. version
1: because people need to know. I think it's amazing to just, especially in this day and age, everybody needs a role model. And to see a black OBGYN, it's amazing because, like Ace was saying earlier, it's hard to find them in certain regions. So it's it's nice to know, like, well, if I go to Texas, I'm gonna find me a black OBGYN, mm-hmm. and she's fashionable, <laughs>
0: right? right.
2: <laughs> I want to kind of say something to that. Um, The first day I realized, because, you know, like I said, I grew up with a Black mom, who's a a very Black mom with a nice accent, who is an African doctor. And as I grew up with her, I didn't realize it was that big of a deal, right? And so one day in my practice, I had a woman who came in. She was 60-something, And she drove up, she had just seen an OBGYN two months earlier. And I wondered, like when I got her records, like, why is she coming to see me? She just saw an OBGYN. And all they said was to establish care. So I was like, okay, cool. And when she got there, she said to me, I want you to know that I've been praying for you for 40 years. I was like, she said, Yes. For some reason, it crossed her mind when she was in her 20s that she was going to start praying for Black doctors because she wanted to be a Black doctor but didn't have the opportunity. And that she did. She's done it every single day since her 20s. And she's in her 60s. And she wanted to come in and tell me that she was praying for me. And I'm the first Black OBGYN she's ever met. Yeah. And I realized that day that it's a big deal. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. A big deal. Yeah. And... I don't want it to be a big deal because I know how much we are needed in our, and we're going to get into it because we're going to talk about all the disparities and we are so needed because the way I take care of my patients, I, they tell me all the time, they tell Google, you go and look at my Google reviews, they tell Google how much, how different it is. And I just thought that's how you take care of patients. Yeah,
0: you would think that that's how you take care of patients. But to actually, because I have, I actually do have a black OB. Um, She's older, but I have a black OB. And I used to work with her when I worked in the hospital. And before her, I had a white OB who was really nice, but just, just, I wanted to switch for on my own. And then once I did, I realized the care that I got was like so much better. It was just reassuring with anything that I was going through. She was so much easier to talk to. I never really felt ashamed to say anything to her because she just always made me feel, you know, very special. So always, I love my OB. I love her. Shout out to Dr. Robinson. <laughs> I love her.
2: If um. you say drink coffee, I'll drink coffee. Cup of coffee. Cup of coffee, please. I was wondering if I might trouble you for a cup of strong black coffee. <clears throat> Damn good coffee. And hot Wait a minute. J. Cooper loves coffee. We know this is, excuse me. a damn fine cup of coffee. We're going to need some more coffee.
0: I okay, so I kind of want to jump in on like a light, kinda like a lighter note kind of before we get into like the deep deep part even though it still is a dark rose, but just kind of like the use of yoni products. I know that's like the big thing yoni is like the word that we're using now for our vaginas and everything but um i kind of want to talk about like there's always been two different sides to it some say you know you're not supposed to use those products because your vagina is self-cleaning; it's it's this everything needs to just have the good bacteria and on the other hand there are people saying no you should use this because it's natural it's not gonna harm you it's not gonna take away from your bad bacteria because Like when Vagisil, which is like a really popular brand, I've heard you're not supposed to use it, but then you have these all natural products, everyone's saying you should use them. So I kind of want to have like a professional understanding of, are these products good for us to use? Like, should we be using these? Should we not? Should we just clean it and let it clean by itself? (laughs)
2: So I'm laughing because you said you want to start off on a lighter note, but this is not light at all. It's not That's one of the it controversial is. topics, popular topics right now. So I wanted to kind of take a couple of steps back, and I think that understanding some definitions kind of helps move the conversation along in a logical manner. Um, what are yoni? What is yoni? Yoni is kind of like a Sanskrit. Um, language it's based in Hinduism um, and it was made it was kind of like the femininity like what is femininity and then it evolved to be like what is a womb or then anything that is um, unique to the the female or the traditional female because we all know that there are in humans who have who are not biologically female. However, they assume the identity of a female and we respect that. But I'm talking about it from a traditional sense because these are traditional cultures. And so um, that includes the vulvar, the vagina, cervix, uterus, fallopian tubes, and ovaries. And those are the things that are unique to the female species. Well, if you take that aside and realize that that came from a religious... Type of um, like setup, which is Hinduism, and it also is rooted in a lot of like Central American and African cultures, right? So there's a lot of traditional cultures, and then you fast forward to Western medicine. Western medicine is not based in any kind of traditional anything, that's why it's called Western medicine as opposed to Eastern medicine, and that is what I practice, right? I'm an evidence based physician. So if something hasn't been studied and there is no evidence behind it, or if it has been studied to show poor outcomes, that's what I'm going to ascribe to. I always tell my patients though, if there's something that you're doing that is working and is not harming you, waste your money all you want, right? As long as it's not harming you. So when we talk about yoni, there are different types. There's the yoni pearl, there's the yoni egg, there's the yoni steaming. Mm -hmm. And there's other things, but those are the three major categories. So when you talk about like the yoni um, pearl, that is kind of like a sachet of different herbs that is used to, that is advertised as something that can detox the female body. It can either detox you from bacteria or yeast. So I'm talk about the spiritual aspect because it's based in Hinduism, a religion, like cleansing all the bad juju from all the fuck boys that you dealt with. Uh, I don't know if I can cuss on this. Yeah, um, you can.
0: It's from,
2: um, You know, from that, and then um, it it can also cleanse you from all the different other ailments that are in this reproductive tract, like PCOS, fibroids for infertility, there's a lot of things that it has been um, advertised as. So that's the yoni um, pearl. The yoni egg is an actual crystallized egg that's supposed to be introduced into your body to help you and remind you to do Kegel-like exercises so that you can strengthen your pelvic floor. You can also... And I'm sorry if somebody is like is listening is more of an expert as this. I just know it from a peripheral view because I don't I don't ascribe to this, but I have to know because my patients ask me all the time. Yeah. So, the, because it's made from a crystal, people that do crystal, um, like the S five to crystal mythology um, or methodology. Uh, they talk about how it can also cleanse you and you can charge it by putting it next to sunlight or sea salt. They have other things that charge it. Um, and so this is supposed to make you come to oneness with your femininity and the goddess inside. And remember, this is a religion. And then lastly, or it came stems from a religion. And then lastly, introduces the steaming. The steaming has, um, all the herbs that would be traditionally in the pearl now is in, I don't, some people put it into your vagina and then let the steam. Some people put it into the steam bath and let the steam. And the idea is that steam should be able to penetrate the, the skin of the labia or the mucosa of the vagina and allow you to absorb the healing powers of the herbs a little bit better. So, that is the whole like overview. Now, when you talk about from a gynecologic standpoint, the vagina itself has what I call its normal floral, but it's really called normal flora. There should be bacteria that lines the lining of your any kind of orifice you have. And as a human, you have several orifices, your mouth, your anus, the vagina if you're a woman, right? And on, on. there's a symbiotic relationship with some bacteria in every single one of those orifices. And so those, that bacteria is meant to be there to, one, help preserve the right um, pH. Normal pH of the vagina should be uh, acidic. And it also takes up space so that yeast and bacteria don't grow there, right? That's normal. But if you introduce anything into the vagina that changes the pH, and a lot of these um, yoni pearls are said to have a pH of 4.5 or more, and then vagina is actually between 3.4 and 4.5. So it is definitely on the higher end of normal or above normal. Then what it's going to do is change. Those bacteria cannot live in a basic environment. So that ends up being in a situation. You you get yourself into a situation where you have now changed the basic pH of your vagina, and that will now allow either yeast, bacteria, or both to penetrate. And it has also been shown that if you increase the and this has actually been shown that if you increase the pH, you have an increased risk of when you are you are exposed to gonorrhea, chlamydia, any other STD, that you tend to have an increased risk of actually getting the, the, um, the infectious agent, right? So that's one, one issue just off the bat. Then the next thing is a lot of the, especially the yoni um, pearls, they should be left in the vagina for 24 hours or more. If your mama ever taught you anything about tampons, if she's told you that you ever wore tampons, that you are a hoe and no longer a virgin. Sorry that, about your childhood. We can talk about that one day. But like the truth is that over the age of, I'm oh, sorry, you're not supposed to use tampons for over eight hours. The tampon manufacturers have actually talked about up to 12 hours to enable someone to sleep. But the idea of having things in your vagina, it can release toxins. So the yoni um, pearls, being left in for 24 hours. There have been case reports of toxic shock syndrome. There have been lots of infections. I see the infections all the time. So that is the problem with that amount of time. The only pearl is supposed to be left in for at least 12 hours, so not as bad. And then let's talk about the actual things that they say that they do. So I've talked about the harmful things, the the actual things that they say that they do there's been no proof. I mean, I saw once that in one of the websites that over a thousand studies. So I contacted them and they could not show me one study. So one well-designed study. Um, so that you, if they had the studies, trust me, they'll be posting it. Um, and so that's a problem because we don't know if it works at all. And then the way that the vagina, actual anatomy, I do hysterectomies all the time. I do myometomies all the time. I operate in the vagina, in the cervix, in the uterus. I know the anatomy so well. I did two cases this very morning. So, and I will be doing two tomorrow morning. So, I know it so well. The anatomy, the vagina is actually one of the most formidable forces. And that is why when women who are, have sex with men who have uh, HIV, there are much less chances of there being a transmission than men that have sex with men because the, the rectum is actually really thin compared to the vagina, which is really, really thick and has a lot of um, immune um, factors that fight infection, actually. So if you have something fighting infection, it is not easily absorbable it doesn't absorb things as well as you would think. So the idea that the the even if these concoctions actually really worked, would they actually be absorbed to the point, to the level where they would work? That is the question that I would ask. And then I have seen a lot of side effects, like people that have fibroids start bleeding uncontrollably. Um, I've had patients who have, um, mostly it's fibroids, that they start bleeding uncontrollably. And they think that they're cleansing, so they don't tell me until they start to drop their blood counts. And I'm like, girl, what did you do to yourself? So now you've got me to talk about the most controversial topic first. So now we can move on. (laughs) I didn't yeah. want I didn't the whole mafia to come after your girl. I didn't
0: realize it was that was kind okay, of... Okay, so a then,
1: word. before we move on, though, so in your professional advice, what is the best way to clean yourself? What is the best way?
2: Well, so my best way is, number one, is we try to clean the outside of your vagina. Douching is actually strongly recommended against because water has a pH of seven. So you're already making your your vagina much more basic. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you need to try to get as much oxygen into your vagina as possible. So wearing granny panties, um, the cotton panties is great, uh, making sure that you... Um, Wear no underwear at night. That's actually really good. Your partner might really love it. You might be seeing me faster than you want to. Because <laughs> pregnant. <spring>. But, um, <laughs> and you can see me earlier, we can get some birth control. So those are, you know. Well, birth those are. Is good for you. So we'll talk, we can talk about that. Because birth control is, has a bad rep. It has um, a terrible rep. It does. It has a terrible rep. So we can talk about that. Um, but, That's the, you know, like, then also when you work out, making sure that you don't sit in sweaty clothes for a long period of time. If you have a medical issue, fibroids, PCOS, things like that, you need to get that taken care of. This fibroids in and of themselves are associated with bacterial vaginosis. Okay. So they've never been able to sort out why Black women have more incidences of Black Uh, sorry of bacterial vaginosis but black women have more fibroids so that i mean that hasn't been they haven't they don't take out that confounder they just say black women have have more bacterial vaginosis well did you compare fibroid per people to people with fibroids people without fibroids because we know fibroids cause bacterial vaginosis um, or are associated with bacterial vaginosis so there's so many things like that Um, I tell people all the time that some of the things that you use in your vagina, you're actually sensitive to. So the 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 skin that most resembles the vagina is actually, and the vulvar is actually the skin on the inside of your arm. So if you buy a product, it's best to try it, spot test it on the inside of your arm. And I'm talking about for people that are medical, it's the anticubital fossa. but for us, it's like in between, it's like in your joint, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're just listening to this. So um, the, the idea is to try out something that's sensitive, that is you're not sensitive to. A lot of the tampons have bleach in them because cotton is not white, but nobody wants an off-white, dirty-looking product. Mm. So they bleach them, and you might be allergic to the bleach. And because you have been using Tampax, sorry, Tampax, I'm not affiliated with you, but Tampax or Play Playtex or whatever for 10 years doesn't mean they haven't changed their formulation this month. Mm. And now you're having, because your body can have contact dermatitis or irritation and it comes off as you having infections over and over. So paying attention to that is a big deal. we go through that and try to eliminate using new detergents that, that, that might mess you up. Nair, Nair is a huge contact dermatitis issue, especially in black women and hair removal is a big deal because if you don't remove hair, you might have ingrown hairs, If you remove hair, then you might, what you're doing is is there's no protection. So you have more increased risk of having bacterial infections. So it's a very touchy thing. I tell my patients, if you must remove your hair, there are two ways for a black woman is either use a clipper. Don't clip off your clitoris or your, your labia and call my name. Be very careful. And then, or use a sugar wax. Sugar waxes are very, very um soft on the skin okay. so you wanted you have because our hair comes out curly so you have to be wary about that so I could do this forever I do have like I need to write something about you know Dr. Aruma's vaginal hacks you, really but, like yeah, you know yeah. that's just a
1: snippet <laughs> okay cool that is not one to come out because clearly we need we, the books we need
0: the <laughs> yeah, do. um What are you going to say
1: about the uh, birth control? Oh, I just wanted to know. So, myth myth busters, um, what about birth control? I know that there's this big controversy about them. I hear bad things about them. I know that they play with a lot of women's bodies. And, you know, it seems to be kind of like a negative thing because it's kind of like stopping your period or slowing down your period. So, in your professional advice, again, what would you say about birth control?
2: So the question really is, do you need a period? That's the first question. The first question is, do you need a period? You don't need a period. However, a period is a vital sign. So if you're not taking any birth control, and you're not having your periods, you need to see an OBGYN ASAP. And I didn't say a health provider on purpose. You need to see an OBGYN ASAP because you most likely have what we call secondary amenorrhea, So that means you're not having your periods and you used to have them before. So what that that means is, are you pregnant? Do you have anything? There's so many things you can have. You can have premature ovarian failure, which is menopause before the age of 40. You could have PCOS, very common. There are many reasons that you could not have your period if you used to have them before. You need to see an OBGYN. And if you haven't had a period by 15, you need to see an OBGYN. So those are like hard and fast rules, but then do you need a period? So if you think about how periods are, periods are made. Periods are made because one part of the brain talks to another part of the brain that talks to the ovaries and tells the ovaries to prepare this month we might get pregnant. So it's going to release an egg. And it's also going to release a whole bunch of hormones. Those hormones go and work on the uterus, trying to get the uterus fluffy and ready. If sperm meets egg, we're going to get happy and lucky this month. And the egg and the sperm are going to implant in this fluffy uterus. If this doesn't happen, that needs to shut off so that the next month we are ready. We're waiting for that baby. Now, that's how normally it works. However, birth control shuts off that process completely because what you're doing is the hormones work in cycles and birth control actually is like a computer, just straight on. So you don't have that up and down, up and down, up and down. And so when you're giving yourself the same types of hormones, you actually don't ovulate on a lot of you don't release an egg, which is ovulation, and a lot of birth controls. So if you are not prepared, if you're not giving yourself the, the um, fluffy uterus, nothing needs to shut off. So that's the reason why on birth control, you don't need a period. And then I'll tell you, birth control is the worst term we could ever have named those pills, combination hormonal pills, or patch ring is it the worst thing because you think birth control and it has a political religious connotation because what it really is is hormone pills hormone patches cuz we use them for people that have PCOS we use them for people that have um, you know premature ovarian failure we use them for people that have fibroids we use them for other things behind besides birth control why does it have why does it have side effects well, you're giving yourself the same hormone that was cyclical before. Progesterone has the back. If you think about pro pro means good. Guests, You've heard about gestational that's pregnant. So it creates a situation that you're pregnant. What do you do when you're pregnant, eat a whole lot and not get pregnant again and get your breasts start tender. You're nauseous. That's what pregnancy does, right? So that's what progesterone ends up being as a side effect. And one of the biggest ones that I tell people is the hardest to get over, but a lot of teenagers like it is Depo. Because it's a whole lot of progesterone deposited Depo at once. It's 150 milligrams of Depo-Provera at once. And then it now starts to go down over the time for three months, and then you do it again. Mm -hmm. Well, if you put a whole bunch of hormone into somebody's body at once, they're going to eat like they're about to deliver a baby. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you gain so much weight on it, right? The studies say five pounds. I say they only studied Norwegian girls because my patients be gaining a whole human. So That is something that you have to think about. And because it takes so long for it to get out of your system, it can take up to 18 months after Depo for you to go back to ovulating.
0: Mm.
2: So a woman, and that is actually shown in the studies, 12 to 18 months. So a woman who's 35, I'm not going to put her on Depo unless she never wants to have babies again. Because when I take her off, it might take her another 18 months before she ovulates once. So those are all things for us to think about.
0: Yeah, I was on Depo. Um, I had got on it when I was 18. Well, I'm 29, but I was on when I was 18. was on it for five years. And my doctor, at the time was my white doctor, super nice. She was kind of like, okay, it's like the three-year mark. Do you want to get off birth control or switch to something else? I'm like, no, I like the Depo because I was in a consistent relationship. And I'm just like, well, no, because... I don't want to have any kids right now. And she definitely did inform me. She said, you know, once you're off of it or once you wean off, it does take a while for you to ovulate and all that stuff. But I've always heard things of women who are on birth control too long or on them like at a later age in life that it is harder for them to have kids and that can also make them be
2: infertile. No, that's wrong. Oh, okay. It's not related to the birth control. It's related to their age. Mm. Age-related decline in fertility is a real thing. As a thirty-four-year-old woman, I think about it quite often. AKA, your girl's getting her eggs frozen. So um, there are there are things that you have to like think about. You know, I talk to every single patient of mine above the age of thirty what they plan on doing. Right. I have plans. I thought I was going to be like a mama of three already, but life happens. Mm -hmm. So you need to be prepared. Are you going to freeze your eggs? If you are 30, start saving because it ain't cheap. It is a whole bag, a whole Birkin bag, actually. Mm -hmm. So, um, you, yeah, you need, and insurance doesn't cover it. Right. So you have to be prepared for those kind of things. And people talk to us about preparing for our 401ks. They talk to us too about preparing for, you know, making yourself this, you know, Dolly Parton housewife. They don't talk to you about preserving your fertility. Well, I'm here to shout it real loud. Preserve your fertility, chick. And then you can do whatever. And you can, some guys telling you something, you'd be like, you think that I care because I'm 31? Uh Oh, No. I keep it moving because now, you know, you don't have to get into some stupid relationship because you are scared of not being able to have babies in the future.
0: That's true. I just had a real, like a quick question or something. So, um, man, I want to word this properly. Okay. Is it, it's probably not weird, but I have a friend who thinks it's weird that if me being 29, I'll be 30 in October that I've never been pregnant. And people think like, oh, maybe something's wrong with you. Maybe you should get checked because you've never had a pregnancy scare, for the most part, or never been pregnant. And I honestly was like, well, I don't, I'm not worried. I mean, I've definitely had some slip ups in the past where I could have thought I could have gotten pregnant, but I was never pregnant. And I always chalked it up to God was on my side. He didn't want me to have that man's baby. So I just never gotten pregnant. And now almost 30, I was like, well, man, maybe I should get my eggs checked to make sure. I am able, I guess, to have kids. Like have you do you hear patients say things like that at all? Like I do.
2: I have patients, but they're usually 38. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) like because so I stopped judging women's ages a long time ago. A thirteen year old who gets pregnant and has a baby is going to see her great grandkids. You and I might never see her great. She might see her great, great grandkids, right? So I stopped judging that. Um, You know, at the same time, a woman who is like me, who has her first baby maybe at 36 or 37, well, I also got to see the world on my own terms. I got to experience the world and I got to collect several bags. So I stopped judging people. So don't let someone else's insecurities like kind of you know affect your your security you know like if you haven't tried consistently a slip up has nothing to do with anything especially if you're on birth control or if you it wasn't if you had not ovulated you were in the first half of your period like so if you've consistently tried less than the age of 35 for a year or if you're greater than the age of 35 for six months or you're 40 years old, you need, that's when you need an infertility workup. Oh, okay. Infertility workup, that, that, that's the definition of infertility. So infertility workups are covered by insurance when you have infertility, which is what I just defined for you. And then if you just want your eggs checked, there's no real way to just get your eggs checked. There is a test called the anti-malarian hormone and it is a proxy for how well your follicles are performing. It doesn't tell you much other than there are eggs and there are no eggs. Are the eggs healthy? We don't know. Are the eggs all healthy? We don't know. So you want to have that number greater than one.
0: Okay. That was really informative. And I can tell my friend that because she she thinks that she can get pregnant. I'm like, girl, you're only 29. I'm pretty sure if you were trying consistently, you would get pregnant. I'm like, I don't know.
2: I don't know. But I just it's wanted kind of to know that tactic. Um and I also want to say this, uh, you know, the average age of lifespan is 86 for women. Right? No, 76, sorry. 76 for women. Well, if you're married at 20 and you really believe marriage is for life, that's 56 years on average as you're staring at that balding fat toe. Like, so choose wisely. Don't let fear control you that's a joke <laughs> <laughs> that's a bar <laughs>
1: basically don't be having sex with these men because y'all think that y'all gonna have babies because you y'all kids they're
0: gonna be yeah. ugly gonna and you gotta ugly. accept
1: <laughs> they ugly ass
2: bad bad kids too <laughs> right they're, bad kids. They're, they're gonna inherit somebody's character <laughs>
0: No, okay. That's true. Um, so I guess now we can jump in. I guess there's not so much controversial, since we already did that one first, just talking about the um, the disparities and just how, well, I know it's always been a thing of just Black women being kind of like undertreated, but it's just, it seems like now because of this pandemic or I don't know, like things are just coming to the forefront with Black women being undertreated um, in the medical field. And like I said, I I had, I have had had white doctors, never really had any problems, but just seeing that there's other black women who are getting mistreated or undertreated or even hearing the stories of them not being treated properly and things you need to do when they're um, refusing you specific care. Like, what have you heard from any, maybe any patients that came to you from maybe those situations?
2: Oh, girl. Um, So I want to start off by saying that I think it is a good day to be black because our weapon is basically a camera and social media. Now, sorry, Brianna Taylor, that name really helped you because they didn't see the footage. Um, but it is a good day to be black. So with that being said, the only way you can understand the disparities in um, in medical care in is that you have to understand it the same way. I don't know how many of you are like Sean King heads, but Sean King talks about how the, um, the justice system is not made for Black people. It's the same way that the health system is not made for Black people. I am not somebody that makes my... Um, my decisions based on current facts only, you need to know history, where you came from. So a couple of things that stand out in history that make it seem like something that is super important that we need to talk about is first, if you go all the way back to slavery times, you think about the two most prominent stereotypes of black women, it's the mommy, and the Jezebel.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the Mammy is this unattractive, presumably darker-skinned, overweight black woman who basically is supposed to use her breasts to take care of white kids, like literally. And then the Jezebel is the idea that black, black women are oversexualized because we are we are not curvy. Oh, sorry, we are curvy. We're over-sexualized because we have big lips and we have, you know, everything about us is over exudes goddessness, but people see it as sexual energy. And so that justified the idea that if she's over-sexualized, well, she wants the sex. And so the the white slave owner is okay with sleeping with the black, black woman. So if you think about those two stereotypes, it has basically created a situation where black women are just either the lowest of the totem pole or sexual beings. Right. So like boil down to, or keep going to like, let's talk about the civil rights era in the civil rights era, black doctors could only be trained at Meharry and Howard. And if you look at old textbooks about how they describe black people, if you ever want to figure out if you can really get like rage, you should read those textbooks. Ridiculous how they talk about black people. So if this was an actual medical textbooks and we have these stereotypes of black women, it would make sense that you should, you know, castrate black uh, inmates women that are inmates. You know, the, st- the, the story came out today, which is not new to anybody that knows anything about contemporary OBGYN, that, you know, the ICE facility was um, ca- basically doing hysterectomies on Spanish-speaking women who didn't know what was happening to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so over time, Tennessee, North Carolina, California, it was legal to, to actually castrate female inmates and what they used to do is put them on some kind of caste system where if you are if they think that you're going to be a repeat offender they will offer you these details and they were giving people shorter sentences for this so this is what we call true white supremacy true um genocide because then we're not part of a voting population We can't ever have any power because if our, if I used to say to myself, like, wait, what? So now I understand. I mean, when you talk about it in that, in that context, I will understand why black women are fearful of birth control because you're trying to control my fertility. Mm. And I used to remember, and unfortunately I have to say this out loud on record that, there would be a difference in how black patients and white patients even non-black patients so even hispanic women were were counseled differently about their fertility especially after requiring more than three c-sections because it is very difficult to do c-section after three c-sections because you have a lot of scar tissue we do it all the time but they would they would counsel very strongly about getting your tubes tied. And I used to, it used to puzzle me until I commiserated with a older, she's only two or three years older than me, but like more seasoned at that point, she was more seasoned, OBGYN, and she said to me, Oh no, it's not a what you're thinking is right. So whoever's listening to this, what you are thinking, that is accurate. It is not a lie. It is not it is not made up. It is not a hoax. It is real. So that was a lighter note.
1: <laughs> I don't even know. Is I mean, this
2: no, I mean the whole episode is a dark rose, but
0: I I mean yeah. it's definitely informative. Uh it's definitely informative for sure. I I don't think it's lighter. But it was
2: definitely No, I was just trying to be so needed to keep it
0: live. Because when I saw the like
2: when when I when I I said do they have fun on there? Like, oh, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. We no, do, we do. We do we,
1: we do. we usually have really like fun, light episodes. We just wanted to give our listeners some really good Y'all
2: need to get me time. when you guys are talking about sex. Oh, good. So that First off, hold
1: on. Well let's switch it up a we little, switch little bit. I was on your page earlier. And I've seen all of, like the sex talks and all like, you know, how you like to live, live that up, sexual liberation, all that. So <laughs> as a woman, what are some good sex, sexual tips for, you know, keeping it fresh? Like, do you think that, um, there are these pills called she orgasms and they're like these vitamin, mineral pills to get you, you know, get you going. Like, and are those the Yeah. It gives you the wop. <laughs> So are those, do you feel like those are good for the woman, the woman's body? Or do you feel like natural aphrodisiacs are things that women should really go to when they want to keep it
2: fresh? And
1: is the pineapple thing real? Do it really make it smell? Like- I knew you were
2: going there. If you didn't go there, it would be awful. So I'll start off with what you eat is going to be what you give off. You cannot give off what you didn't eat. So if you ate a whole bunch of asparagus and broccoli, you might look nice and fit, but you're going to only give off, you might be smelling like you have a UTI. I mean, that is what it is. So it is, you, your body can only metabolize what it is that you eat. Uh-huh. You know, you like a lot of Italian food, girl, you're going to have a garlic vagina. I mean, it is what it is, okay? So um, that's that. I think that actually the real plug is knowing your body and being able to actually communicate with a partner who's willing to learn
0: okay
2: because most of the time most sexual partners have what they like and they're in it for themselves Mm -hmm. and so if you can have a partner who knows what you like is willing to learn what you like is willing to push boundaries and you are willing to push those boundaries all the other things that they sell, they're going to take your money. That is the real plug. Okay. And shoot, I need to figure out what I need to sell. Get it in on that multi billion dollar. No. Industry, for real. Okay? Dr. Rumala over it.
0: <laughs> no, seriously. There's so many. we can go buy
2: a jet somewhere. Yeah.
0: there are so many products out now they have for like women and sex and ha- to make it taste sweeter, to make it, to make you wetter. Yeah, It's just, it's kind of overwhelming because you just like you're reading up on like, Well, does it really do this or can I just... Or is this? it all in your mind? Yeah. Because I think
1: that it's doing that and it's doing
2: that. It is. There's a big placebo effect. Mm-hmm. I will warn against some of the things that make you sweeter because guess who else likes sweet? Yeast. so that's something that you need to be worth like you know to be cognizant of um the other thing is you know um there are some things because not everybody is most of the time women that are good she goes she are people that like their partner it's not Mm -hmm. on you if you don't like him you don't like him sis like it's okay let's like it's all right like let's move on to the next guy i mean if you're married to him and you believe marriage is for life, I'm sorry, sis. You pick- <laughs> Like, I don't know what to tell you. But um, there is there are some, the, the, the actual things that work are cheap. I mean, coconut oil is the plug it has the wait, right hold hold but, on,
1: what you mean how, do you, how are you what are you doing are you like rubbing it on there do you insert it what you, are you
2: doing so you can use I actually tell the older patients you use uh, coconut oil every day like it's like you're moisturizing your elbows on the outside on the inside you can't wash it but right. you can put in oil and coconut oil and almond oil are the best viscosity a lot of people talk about olive oil, but olive oil is just available. It is not the best viscosity. It has a strong odor. It is really not, but coconut oil is, I mean, they talk, they have studied this stuff. I'm not just talking out my behind. Like they have studied this.
0: Mm.
2: And then this is something that is based on your fidelity. If you are with somebody, now I don't trust nobody as far as I can throw them. My mama used to say all the time, I don't trust nobody but the unborn baby in my uterus. (laughs) So, um, but if you are in a monogamous relationship where you're not worried about wearing a condom or getting STDs, um, silicone-based lubricant trumps water-based lubricant all day, every day.
1: Silicone. Silicone
2: Silicone-based, and the best one, I have giving out also because they send them to my office all day, is Astroglide.
0: I have, I
2: have, I have been... But Astroglide, Astroglide has the water base too, so make okay. sure it's the silicone base. The, it's a very obnoxious purple bottle. Obnoxious. And then you can get some purple kisses. So wait,
0: so, because the, there's a lot of women that feel like when you use, um, lube mm-hmm. or something that means you can't get wet and I really hate when women say that like when I say oh I've used lube they're
2: like I don't need yeah, that I get wet not, and I'm yeah. like well no yeah that's it. it's the same thing is the same thing as how bragging like I don't wear weave or I don't wear makeup or yeah. everybody's just trying to one-up each other girl what works for you your bedroom don't nobody gotta know okay and if they do if you are sitting around there talking you'd be like girl I like it wetter <laughs> exactly. like be confident and stand in your stand in your truth that i mean it is what it is and so uh, yeah no i mean there are there are lots of people who and your stage of life also matters mm-hmm. birth control does make your vaginas um drier okay. um breastfeeding um pregnancy so well pregnancy actually in theory makes your, your vagina much more estrogenated. So, in theory, you should be wetter. But then, some people see this is how sex works that people still don't understand. Me- male Viagra increases blood flow to the penis, right? The female Viagra, which is called Addy, increases blood flow to the brain. Oh, wow. You cannot get over whether or not I cannot invent a new partner for you. Okay. If you don't like them sexually, and a lot of women do not choose partners based on sexual desire. Mm-hmm. They use, choose partners based, because we don't, we don't believe we choose. A lot of the times it's who slides in your DM, mm-hmm. and we all know they don't look like the man you want to slide in your DM if you're heterosexual. Um, and a lot of the times also it's like these you just get what you get. And that's the proximity. That's the right person at that time. And maybe if you're in a, with a guy that you really like, mm-hmm. he's probably sharing three other girls and then your brain doesn't like it. Your brain doesn't like it. So there's a lot of things that have to do with sexual pleasure that unfortunately we cannot control.
1: Dang man, that's so true. That's crazy that that's true. Like, oh my lord, it's
0: all in your head. It is all in your head
1: because it really do be these niggas. Because sometimes that's
0: why we thinking about somebody else.
2: Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it works. It helps. And a lot of the times, the guys don't even like. Is the that's why. Like when people say men think with their little head, they are not thinking. They don't even like the girl. They don't even remember her the next day. They have something amazing at home. Okay. and they will fumble the bag so bad for somebody that when you see you're like, <laughs> you like you feel like that meme like <laughs> oh my god like like real. really because they and you see them and they will like you try to understand and they will try to understand they don't understand
0: it mm-hmm. see that it makes sense when well i guess that's like when um, men say like we cheat physically while women cheat like more men more emotionally or mentally exactly not. want something that you're not giving us yeah. whether it's the time that's why they
2: can't handle it if you cheat that means they really are fumbling. Yeah. But if no. they cheat, it may have nothing to do with you.
0: Yeah. Most of the time it
2: has nothing. Because people, you know, the other woman likes to make herself feel better and be like, if you were handling stuff in the house, they won't be mad. Girl, <laughs> they ain't about you. No, he no don't name. remember your name. He don't know your name. Yeah. Yeah. He knows nothing about you. That and is- you might have been thinking you were talking on a handstand. He don't even remember it.
1: Yes, and as women, we always take the blame. Like,
2: well, what did I do? What could yeah. I have done better? And something like, nothing to do with me. It's nothing. And sometimes it's even their insecurity. You're so good that they think to themselves, like, I don't deserve her. And subconsciously, they they like. I think that the best phrase that came out of 2020 is fumbling that Birkin. <laughs> you are fumbling the bag, okay? Like they just dropping it left, right, and center.
1: All yeah mm-hmm. i can't believe it terrible that. i can't believe terrible.
0: they terrible divorce the i literally was just saying i can't believe she they just made it that song i was just i can't believe they made it this far
2: now they I get in divorce right. okay this may be more it's not super serious how do you put about boric acid in the vagina oh i love it okay so, I use- <laughs> i'm a i'm a boric acid fan and why did i get into boric acid um I had friends who had recurrent bacterial vaginosis. Mm -hmm. And so I I went like knee deep into the literature and I recommended boric acid to them. I mean, I wasn't even, I was still in medical school. Mm -hmm. I was like, just fries over the counter. Girl, your vagina, I can't spell your vagina. I'm over here. We don't talk. Like I need you to fix that. Um, And so I, they started, I didn't, it wasn't even me. And I had, I had bacterial vaginosis issues too, but yeah. I was like, let me see if it works on them <laughs> and then I'll try. And my friends, like when I say something, they're like, oh, let's do it cause she's a doctor. So they try, they're all like, they're, they're very successful, but they're like lawyers, engineers, yeah. whatever. So they did it and it was working. I was like, yeah, I gotta try it. So then I tried it and it, it works. And it's actually really well documented in the literature. It's actually not used the way that we're using it. It's used for recurrent bacterial vaginosis after initial treatment with antibiotics, which is how I use it. I do not. You, I don't tell you because the truth of the matter is, you most people misdiagnose. Mm-hmm. For instance, you have vaginal itchiness. You have vaginal odor. You're like. I might have a yeast infection and a and a bacterial vaginosis. Meanwhile, your ass has trick,
0: because
2: mm. that's how trick presents. It's both of it's a very confusing Good. thing. It's
0: tricky,
2: <laughs> yeah. Or you have that, and maybe you actually have gonorrhea. Yeah. So that's why I tell people your gynecologist has to be your best friend, mm. so that when you're going, you're not trying to retell them your whole history. They know that sometimes you slip and fall on a fuckboy dick. Like I mean. <laughs> That way, you know, like they know, like they're not judging you. They're not, things happen. They might've slipped and fall two days ago. So they, they get you. Mm-hmm. So it's all very, like, it's not somebody looking at you like, ugh, she's so sexual, you know?
0: Yeah, and yeah.
2: thinking about her white patients as she's so wholesome because she has white skin in the street hair and tiny nose and no lips and so that you know like no that is not wholesome. There are wholesome black women.
0: <laughs> we just everyone
2: And there's a reason why something was called the Becky. Let's just keep it there and keep it moving. Ooh
0: period that's in fact that's, period, that's true yeah. that's that's how i use boric acid too i only started using it yeah, honestly
1: when so how either. do you
2: how do you use it do you put it in water do you put it in- no so boric acid remember i don't like um water in the vagina there are some rinses and i don't recommend them so what i recommend is if you have a something, something, change. you know, your body. I tell patients all the time. I, I work for you. You, you are the CEO of your body. So you should know when something is off and you need me to work for you. Mm-hmm. something is off, go get tested. It is so fast. It is a vaginal swab and a urine test. That's it. Somebody's going to put a swab in. And it's, if you already know your doctor, you're not getting them your, you know, paperwork and all that. Slip on in five minutes, slip on out. Your insurance covers it then you could find out if you need to slap the guy that you met last night okay mm-hmm. and then after that if we find out it's bacteria we treat it you sh- should get the antibacterial um and there are now at least four that i like to use well some of them are one time dose one time dose and some of them you can drink with alcohol. Not like the olden days where we only have flagel that you can't drink for seven days and everybody knows why you can't drink.
0: Man.
2: So, and it tastes like, Talk. you know, somebody slaps your mama. Like it is horrible. Wow. So there are other options now. Then if you have back, if you keep having, they, we consider a bacterial, any kind of infection in the vagina. More than four in one year, that is a recurrence. Now you have to be treated for a long period of time. So usually what we do is 21 days of boric acid into the vagina at night. Because if you know, if you've ever used it, it dissolves and it drops like your bag of water broke. It's a lot of vaginal discharge. So you want to use it at night. So that when you wake up in the morning, that whole thing drops and that's it. You move forward. Um, and then after that, you can use it one to two times a week because you know that you're still doing the same ish. that's going to get you back with bacterial vaginosis. So that's how I recommend that it's used.
1: Okay. I know we said we was going to light a topic, but we got to go a little dark again. So when you have your patients that come in with like, um, like STDs and stuff like that, how as a black woman, as a black doctor, because I mean, even going to get tested for, and for me, I'm I'm in the process of looking for OB a black OBGYN When she said like she has one, which is dope, but um, how do you like? I don't, I don't I'm not reassure really your your patients, but how do you? I, mean, I, I guess talk to them when it's like you know people women are coming in with these issues because. I seen a post where like you feel you sometimes you feel like a child because you be lying to your doctor like I don't even have sex or whatever you know sometimes you feel like shame to talk to your doctor but as a black woman how do you get women to be more transparent with you when they have these things because I know that a lot of people walk around more with it than they actually say you know what I'm saying and for you you know these people have it more than they say so how is it that you console these people to talk to them talk to them
2: so I, um, meet all my patients dressed in my office and I figure out stuff about them that are peripheral so that you can start to open up to me. I can tell if you're a hippie, by the way you dress, I can tell if you are an athlete I, and I'm going to, I am all of them. So I can latch onto something that we're going to talk about so that you open up your walls. And then I ask you sort of, I do universal, um, I offer universal STD screening but then i ask them if you don't want to you don't have to and i tell them most of the time if they're single that they should um even if you're in a relationship like i said i only trust the unborn child in my uterus so um you've got to make sure and then sometimes you know some patients end up having um things that they may have had for a long time and it's not the cause of their new sexual relationship or if you've never gotten tested you don't we don't know when you got gonorrhea we don't know when you got chlamydia we have no idea it could have been last night it could have been 10 years ago we don't know because you have never gotten tested before Mm -hmm. and i tell my patients all the time get tested on your birthday Every year, if, unless you have a new sexual partner, even if you are in a committed relationship, get tested because most things are treatable. And a lot of the times people are getting chlamydia, which can cause infertility. And they're going with it for 10 years, 20 years. I mean, wow. with no symptoms. That's why I said your gynecologist has to be your bestie. Mm-hmm. And all my patients think we're besties. They just happen to call me doctor before my name.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, i mean, that's—that's that's true. That yeah. is good. Like I said, my doctor, she's really sweet, really nice. I love her to death. I mean, she's older, so I—I I feel like I feel comfortable talking to her and telling her things. So, um, that is nice to know. You know, to to your patients. Yeah, that is sure. I, I think. Let me just different kind different. of put out
2: a little, if you're looking for a doctor, um, I'm part of a platform that has been keeping a directory of Black women. Not to, I can't guarantee you because it really only kicked off this year. Uh, we were in the mix since last year, but it really kicked off this year when Serena gave us funds. It's uh, my friend, Ashley Wisdom is the CEO, but it's called Health in Her Hue. They list space you can check based on your um, your your zip code because it's supposed to be help in your you. In, your, your, in
0: you. your you. Okay.
2: And it has everything from physical therapists to dentists to just black providers, Ooh, therapists.
0: Stop so looking
2: see, for a black dentist. I go to a black dentist. She don't take my
0: insurance. <laughs> so I can't go to her. Sorry. <laughs> Did
1: you have um, anything no, else? No. no,
0: no, no, no. Okay. Um, I got all my questions answered. I got all my questions answered too. <laughs> this was really informative. It was really fun. Um, I know, like I said in the beginning, we were doing like a dark roast. But like I said, we wanted it to be like really informative just because I know there's a lot of women out there who just have questions about all of these things that are happening down there. Maybe they're too scared to talk to the doctor or to get questions answered, things like that. So that's how we kind of went dark first and i'm glad that you were you were ready to open about well we're gonna talk about something else about some little sex something else you know because that's what we, about too. we love opening up and talking about some stuff we're not tipsy
1: today i'm yeah, drinking we're not water. Tipsy today. we're gonna bring you back when we have yeah. a lighter roast and when you have to give cho one we're gonna have our wine. Yeah. we can have a good yeah i
2: always i'm always down for those yes. Yes. i'll always yes. for those.
1: You know, but um, we had to do something really nice and mm-hmm. casual with next time we, we had to make world. sure you
0: was ready to be in the coffee shop. <laughs> and you are in, in okay. the coffee okay. shop. Okay. The Bailey's
1: <laughs> coffee shop.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. That's what I'm talking about. Um I'm trying so what we do to end our show, we give a um espresso shot just to like, you know, wrap up everything. And I've been looking for just some quotes. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Before we say that, you want to go ahead and um, sign out. You can give them your social media, anything of that sort, if they are. We do have some Texas listeners. podcast, so everything your podcast, that you do. Websites, all that information.
2: All right, guys, so you can find me. My brand page on IG is I.AM.DR.ARUMALA. That 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 it will pop up like sometime after you write i.am.dr and then it pops up and then um my podcast is a pretty in pink podcast you can listen to it on any podcast broadcasting um platform but it does have its own id it's at pretty in pink pod and uh, my website is com that actually houses everything. Like you can find the podcast there. You can see my Instagram there. You can see all the stuff that I'm working on, my books, all that stuff is there. And I, my e-commerce platform is also there because I do sell t-shirts. So it's on there and yeah, you can interact with me. I am the one that runs my own, um, IG platform. So if I, I will answer you like I actually am the one to answer you. Unfortunately, I cannot give personalized medical advice over social media or any other platform unless it is in a secure network. So, um, that, you live in the state of Texas or West Virginia or Virginia. Those are the only places that I have medical licenses. Um, that's it.
0: Well, again, thank you, Dr. Rumola, for coming on. We really really do appreciate appreciate this. No, like, seriously, more than you know, we really appreciate this. Um, So I'm going to close this out with our espresso shot. Um, This is unknown. And it it says, society is obsessed with women's bodies, and I take my body back by doing whatever it is that I want to do with my body. So I love that. Black women, you know at the end of the day, they're gonna always over-hypersexualize us, but, you know, we own our bodies and, you know, never let anyone, you know, tell you you can't do what you wanna do. Yes. Period.
2: (laughs) And that's just that on that.
0: And that's just that on that. (laughs) Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you so
1: much. We really appreciate you.
0: It was my my pleasure
2: and I just love everything about being a black woman wouldn't choose any other race any other gender and i would never choose another time in the span of human the human race to be alive because we okay. are finally what a time alive. to be alive for who we are yes um we hope to
1: have you again thank you so much and please be be to see you. be safe all
2: right take care bye bye